Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. I'm joined today on the podcast by Henry Song, Portfolio Manager on our Short Duration Securitized Bond Strategy and our Core Bond Strategy. Henry leads the team of securitized analysts here at Diamond Hill, looking at securities backed by hard assets like cell phones, solar panels, and automobiles, but also securities backed by consumer debt. We'll discuss the unique positioning of the short duration strategy and where it fits in an investor's portfolio. As we continue to work through these unprecedented times, I ask for your understanding for any sound issues that may arise. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Henry Song. Henry, welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to join me on this episode. Thank you, Douglas, for having me back. Well, our conversation today will focus on short-duration securitized bond strategy. It is important to note that some of the ideas utilized in this strategy work their way into the core bond strategy as well. Both strategies utilize securitized assets in their management style, but short-duration has a specific focus on this area. Can you give me a high-level overview of the strategy and its goals? The idea of the strategy is, uh, as the name says, securitized bonds. So 80% of all investments will be in various securitized product sectors. Uh, Also, as the name implies, it will keep the duration fairly short, uh, at the same time generating a fairly meaningful uh, yield over the short treasury one, two, three-year government credit index. Uh, really, the idea is that we think in the securitized product sectors that there are more yields available, uh, that therefore you should generate a better return than a lot of the alternatives in the short duration space. So following up on that, the short duration securitized bond strategy is very different when you look at other offerings, most of which tend to focus on credit or government bonds. What do you think the benefit is uh, in investing in these securitized markets in lieu of the more utilized areas of the market? And conversely, what are some of the risks? Yeah, I you know, again, you know, there is a meaningful yield pickup uh, in various sectors. Of course, the, the natural question is, yeah, what, what's a catch, right? Like you don't get extra yield for free. So, yeah, I would say that, you know, you should call it a catch is this is a much smaller market. Uh, it's a more specialized market. Uh, that if you are a very large manager trying to build a fund with a lot of scale, it just doesn't really work super well here. Uh, people use it, all the large money managers access this sector, but typically it's just a small allocation to their mega funds. Uh, so the really, the, the, you know, if you call if there is a catch is, you know, you will say the liquidity here is not nearly as good as a corporate bond market, which is multiple times the size of the securitized bond uh, sectors mentioning risks, the biggest risk we have uh, this year, as we have seen, is back in March and April, uh, this, this sector has experienced extreme liquidity challenges, uh, one which you have never seen uh, previously, uh, not in 2008, not in 2001. It's, it's not something really in the, in the modern financial markets we've seen. Um, you know, it's almost like a run the bank that happened in this sector. So that's, that's the, again, of course, that's the fatal risk and that it did happen in 2020, if you will, that, that's the risk that you're taking. But, you know, we are confident that something like that is, uh, one, it does not occur very frequently. And certainly we we'll hope that's a once in a century sort of uh, experience. And two, now coming back through that, people can see that the bonds itself actually from a credit perspective held up extremely well. Uh, and so it's not a fundamental credit 
challenge, but as uh, it's more of a liquidity challenge that can pop up uh, again, hopefully once in a century. Uh, so really the, the idea here is if you are not trying to time the market, you're comfortable with the assets, comfortable with the idea of owning something that not everyone else has a lot, owns a lot of, uh, then you can diversify your risk away and generate good returns uh, over long periods of time. So let's talk credit quality and ratings. You know, the strategy has the ability to invest up to 15% in the below investment grade rating bucket and also invest in non-rated securities. Where's the opportunity in the non-rated bucket? And, and explain the willingness and the thesis around including some below investment grade allocations. Yeah, the really the thesis is we think the rating agencies apply a very different standards when it comes to rating corporate bonds as uh, opposed to securitized products. Uh, and, you know, in the corporate bond market, I you know everyone knows what a high yield bonds are, which implies more the company's ability to pay. Whereas in the structured product space, uh, when you are below investment grade rating, it doesn't mean your ability to pay is diminished. Uh, it's based on a different concept, which is what's expected loss that the security would generate and how much more coverage do you have, right? So in this securitized space, we also went through for the financial crisis where the mortgage-backed security especially subprime mortgages were at the center of the storm. And since then, the rating agencies have been fairly, gotten a lot more conservative, if you will, that they are applying a much higher multiple for a, a securitized bond to get a triple B rating uh, than they had previously. So a lot of the, a lot of the issuers in the securitized space actually, uh, most of them do not offer bonds below investment grade. Uh, the ones that do, it's not that the bonds are much higher risk than the corporate equivalent or lack the ability to pay, uh, but it's simply they don't have the multiple that's required to achieve the investment grade rating. Uh, so for example, if you think about a double B bonds in, in the securitized space, uh, in order to get to that triple B, typically you need more than two times the loss coverage. Uh, the loss coverage that rating agencies assume has already gotten uh, more conservative, meaning rating is assuming these bonds will have higher losses than they would typically experience. Uh, that, that's very typical of, you know, they'd be more conservative. Uh, they want to make sure that investment grade bonds stay investment grade. So if your rating agency's losses are already higher than what it actually may happen in your normalized time, then you stress that uh, it's pretty hard to get to that oftentimes called two times the loss multiple. So if the bonds doesn't meet that threshold, they, get, they go below investment grade. Uh, so really, you know, doing our doing our homework and trying to figure out where losses may be, uh, we come up with our own assumptions. And sometimes we think the rating agencies are simply being uh, way too conservative in many of these instances. And I, we do think that's a direct uh, reflection of what happened post 2008. Uh, a lot of them are tied up in multiple lawsuits, and I don't think they have interest in revisiting those days again. And that's one of the things about the securitized market is that it, it continually pays down and that, um, you know, what you're looking at at a double B, you know, could eventually be a triple B or a single A. So it, it tends to, to amortize down. And that's one of the, the, the next question I wanted to hit on. You know, one of the other benefits of the securitized assets over corporate debt is the ability to deploy back into the marketplace at a much more rapid pace uh, as these securities, for the most part, pay down on a monthly basis. So this provides some flexibility in managing cash flows and finding opportunities. 
Talk to me about how you're managing the cash flow process on a monthly basis and how that can benefit clients. Yeah, no, as uh, you mentioned, a lot of the securitized products. So if you think about uh, mortgages, uh, car payments, uh, credit card payments, there's a principal component that your monthly payments. Uh, because of that, a lot of these bonds uh, do pay down fairly quickly. They do receive principal payments. You know, in our strategy, for example, we get somewhere between in a normal month, we get somewhere between two to three percent back in principal payments. So that's a lot of cash flow coming through. And some month that, that might be higher, you know, if we can might go as high as five or six percent at times. So it, it's our job to kind of, you know, keep surveilling the markets, checking the opportunities that's out there uh, and be ready to deploy the, the cash when it comes back, whether it be in the primary market or the secondary market. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of these assets do pay down fairly fast, which also means a lot of the issuers in this space are programmatic issuers. Uh, meaning like they will issue four times a year because they will constantly need to access a market to borrow more money. As opposed to in the corporate bond market, you can borrow, you know, JP Morgan can go out and issue a 30-year corporate bond. Uh, these securitized bond issuers are not able to do that. They issue a two-year and they need to do that multiple times a year so they can keep their uh, keep the cash on the balance sheets to continue operating their business. Really, you know, I think about a lot of the securitized products it is really just you know, they kind of have to recycle their cash as well on the issuer end. And as investors, we kind of continue to do that uh, at the same time. It's extremely beneficial in a rising rate environment or when the spreads really move, move around quite a bit because they kind of give you uh, opportunity to readjust the portfolio without having to sell much. So we can maintain, we can keep the turnover in the portfolio fairly low uh, because the natural reoccurrence of the cash flow and then redeploy the cash when we see the new opportunity. One of the things that we've talked about quite a bit is how the asset-backed securities market has changed and evolved since the financial crisis. How has the evolution of this part of the market provided opportunity for a strategy like short-duration securitized bond? Yeah, the market's always uh, evolving in the space. In, in some ways, you know, the asset-backed security space is very transitional in a sense. Uh, so, for example, if you think about an issuer, uh, if they're starting up a new business, they don't necessarily have a long enough track record. They may, maybe they have not been profitable for mo many years, uh, but they need to access capital. So that means they're not they're not getting a rating to get. They may not even get a high yield rating, uh, or they would think high yield rating is too costly for them to issue debt for five or seven years. So they would they would put some of their best assets together and securitize them. Uh, in exchange for uh, lower rates uh, so that they can you know build, continue to build their business. Once they get their business to a scale, uh, a lot of the goal, a lot of the issuers goal really is to get the investment grade rating so they don't have to constantly coming back to the market to get this short-term financing and that tie up some of their best assets, right? So that for a lot of those sort of uh, issuers, this is a you know transitory market for them. So they will come and go. Uh, we have we have definitely seen assets in this space that's that's very much like that. Uh, for example, single family rental, which is something that really started post financial crisis. Uh, we have we have seen people come into the market, securitize all the houses they bought, and now fast forward to today, a few that have gotten investment grade rating, they now issue ten year fixed rate uh, corporate bonds, so they never have to access the uh, you know the securitized product market again. 
but that's not the case. I mean, there are there are there are products that's naturally fit for the space. So hence, like the more index-like products, right? The, your auto loans, your credit card debt. Uh, those those are sh short-term in nature, and you need a lot of capacity. So those type of issuers are always in the space, and so th that is, there's a reason why those issuers tend to get higher rating because they have been in the space for a very long time. They have a long track record. A lot of them get their AAA rating, and they're they're here to stay. So they are they're the more the benchmark issuers. So a lot of opportunity for us to really focus on guys that's. Uh, uh, newer to the marketplace with great assets that probably be going to be in the securitized markets for five to 10 years. Uh, we're constantly seeing new entrants into the market uh, and that they typically offer a fairly nice uh, yield concession because they are new. Uh, they don't have the AAA rating. Uh, they don't have a huge investor base. They might have a few large money managers or a couple of insurance companies really like the assets that getting involved first. As they continue to get more participation, their their bonds will offer less yield. So that those are the opportunities we always keep an eye on. So we're constantly talking to new issuers in the space, constantly uh, talking to radio agencies, how they're thinking about it. Uh, that's where we're finding a lot of opportunities. An area of the market that you spent time in more recently is the commercial mortgage-backed security sector, an interesting part of the market considering some of the headlines that we've seen surrounding commercial real estate like malls and office buildings in the current environment. You know, what is it about this part of the market outside of those areas that you find intriguing? Yeah, certainly uh, commercial mortgage-backed security has been very challenging this year since March. Uh, we have not seen the market recover uh, at the same pace as other markets have. Uh, some of it's justified. Some properties are certainly under a lot of stress. You mentioned malls and office. There's definitely a long-term ramification from work from home. Uh, it's hard to tell as e-commerce booms and what, what it means to uh, be a mall operator at this point. Uh, you know, I think our, where we have actually spent more time on is actually in another trouble asset class, uh, hospitality. So if you think about hotels as well, a lot of hotels have had very little income in 2020 uh, after setting records in 2019. So this it's, there's a big sharp drop in the net cash flow coming through. Uh, and some properties, frankly, haven't reopened yet. Depends on where they are. Um, so what we're seeing finding opportunity is not in your typical uh, business traveler hotel. Uh, so, for example, in Columbus, we have a fair number of those in downtown Columbus. Uh, they're not doing so well right now. The challenge with the business hotel is we think business travel is not going back to where it was anytime soon. Uh, as more people are getting more used to Zoom calls, conducting business. And I think, frankly, as business realize that uh, conducting business online isn't as challenging as it feared. And some of those hotels also historically relied on conference a lot. And we don't think large gatherings coming back anytime soon. So we think that it would be to be downward pressure on the business conference hotels. What we're finding interesting is people's willingness to travel to destinations. We have seen as soon as we lifted the restrictions on travel, people are willing to drive, fly, uh, to go go on vacation for a few weeks. Uh, where we think it's, it's really interesting in this market that's uh, represented in the commercial mortgage bank securities market is some of the high-end properties uh, or you can call it really some of the trophy properties. Uh, for example, I think about some of the properties in Hawaii. Uh, they have unique land feature. Uh, they have very strategic location on a particular island there. Uh, they've been 
very profitable and some of them have been continuously uh, getting renovated over the last decade. Uh, those properties are also trading at a very de uh, depressed level right now. And those are the ones we really like. Uh, we think they are gonna be long-term winners. Uh, they are typically held by very strong equity holders. Uh, they're not going to let a 2020 uh, cash flow depletion uh, to you know, drive the business decision to walk away from these sort of property. Also, the leverage on these properties are very low to their valuation. Uh, you know, you can argue the it's hard to figure out when you talk about loan to value, hard to figure out the value right now. Uh, but if you think about, if you use 2019 valuation, for example, uh, a lot of these triple A's, uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities representing these hotels are cutting that 25% range. Uh, meaning that the value of the hotel needs to drop about 75% for the AAA bondholders to take a loss. And that's pretty extreme. Uh, you can look back to where some of these hotels may have transacted post 2008. Uh, you can kind of see even then, like the cash flow drop just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, a lot of these hotels at 25% of the latest valuation from last year, uh, albeit was the highest valuation for some of these ever, uh, it's it's still well below the replacement cost, meaning you can't even build a hotel at that those price. So we think these uh, trophy properties are there to stay. Uh, maybe there will be challenge for a, few, a little bit, uh, but they will be around and people will want to visit these sort of uh, properties uh, when, when we do get a vaccine, when, we, when things do look better in 2021 or maybe it's 2022, uh, they will bounce back. It's just a short-term, very painful, uh, of carry for the for the owners, but uh, for the bondholders, I think you're in very safe hands. So we've talked about uh, how different the securitized strategy is, the short duration securitized bond strategy is relative to the rest of the universe for the most part. And that's really, you know, part of the exposure to consumer. Uh, you know, other strategies have, as I mentioned before, government or credit or a mix of the two. But we can't talk about this strategy without discussing some of the volatility that we experienced in March and April, which you talked about a little bit. Um, but really, as a coronavirus shut down U.S. economy and the consumer was expected to suffer significantly, as we saw historic jumps in unemployment, there was a lot of concern. So walk me through how it was managing through those difficult months and the recovery we've seen since April and you know whether that's matched what your expectations were you know, back in the throes of the crisis? Yeah, I mean, certainly there were a lot of fear. There were a lot of negative headlines. So what we did really is, you know, we're when we bought any bonds at, in the portfolio, uh, we know where the break point is for all these securities. And we always use what happened in 2008 as our base case underwriting. So as I mentioned earlier, it's about the loss multiples, right? So if we use what happened in the financial crisis as a base case, we know where our bonds will break, uh, what kind of stress it can take, right? The higher rated bonds, some of them can take two, three times the stress what we see in 2008. Uh, and the lower rated, the double B, single B bonds, uh, they may not be able to handle as much stress. Maybe they can't handle one and a quarter times. Uh, maybe it's just one times what happened in 2008. So we had a pretty good sense of what bonds we really need to dive deeper and get a, a better grasp of. And well, the other thing we decided to do is kind of ignore the short-term economic numbers. This forced shutdown, it's going to produce a high unemployment number right off the bat. Uh, so it's almost pointless to kind of look at that. Uh, it's more important to see how things will recover in a couple months. 
uh, plants are now going to default right away. So I, I think it's uh, it's Im it's important that we kind of kept that uh, kept our composure essentially and just say okay, we know there's a lot of short-term noise. A lot of the very highly uh, supported bonds are not going to be impacted despite what the market trading levels suggest. And uh, every month, we all these uh, securitized products do offer a monthly revenues report that details the collection data or loss data uh, on a monthly basis. So we've you know, been diligently going through them. It's part of our normal process, but we certainly uh, spent a lot more time making sure we're not missing anything here uh, to ensure that bonds we all are going to be money good in, in this environment. Uh, if not, we, you know, what we need to do uh, to work out of them I think the consumer, as soon as the first round of stimulus passed, uh, that really, you know, reset our expectation to be, okay, let's, we can definitely use what happened in 2008 as a potential base case here. Uh, that was a very severe unemployment uh, situation that was uh, elevated a couple of years, hovering around 10%. So, you know, even though we may hit 30% in the near term uh, in March and April, uh, for us, it's really to let's see how, how long this works out and what the long-term ramification is. Uh, that's what we really want to focus on. And the other thing we really wanted to focus on is to compare the consumer picture in general uh, versus the bonds we hold, right? Because a lot of times when we talk to issuers, we understand they don't, uh, they don't just issue a loan to everyone. Uh, they have their criteria. Uh, so we really want to compare the various issuers and the, their underwriting, how that stacks up to the rest of the, uh, the general population. And uh, one thing, you know, certainly we have learned is uh, a lot of our bonds, uh, the, the issuers we invested with have done a much better job at picking the credit as well. So our bonds are not uh, as impacted as uh, some of the macro numbers might indicate. So those are all the things we kind of did and uh, continue to do so to monitor the situation. Uh, we certainly feel pretty good about our portfolio. And you know, after uh, a month, uh, happy to say that we really don't foresee any uh, any bonds we held prior to the prior to March uh, is on pace to take any sort of principal reduction right now. Uh, so you know, certainly speaks volume to uh, how these bonds were underwritten initially, uh, how they're able to kind of handle this sort of stress. Uh, you know, if any, if jury is still out, how much impact the COVID nineteen has versus a great financial crisis. Great financial crisis took a few years for the employment number to get much better. Uh, we, we're still not super clear here yet, uh, but we do think uh, the underwriting uh, made sense and we do think the bonds will hold up fine. So finally, you know, when you think about short duration securitized bond strategy and, and where it fits in investor allocation, what, what do you think is the, is the best use of this strategy? Where do you think it fits uh, as investors are looking, you know, to the shorter end of the curve? Yeah, I think there's uh, multiple ways to think about it. You know, for, for me, uh, I think about this as a diversification in the short duration space, uh, probably because most of uh, short duration bonds tend to be corporate bond and government bond heavy. So this certainly adds a lot of extra yield to it um, and also diversification from corporate risk. Uh, the other part of it too is the strategy carries a lot higher yield than even a much longer duration core strategy does. Uh, so it really depends on your view on duration. Uh, depends on how much you care about uh, income generation as opposed to potentially using to hedge your uh, 
to balance out your equity risk in the other portion of your portfolio, you know, I think that's where core bond comes in. But short duration is a great, uh, I think it's better for uh, income generation purposes, uh, pays a pretty consistent dividend monthly. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's something that's hard to replace in this very low rate environment. Uh, so, you know, again, there, I, I don't think there's a singular use uh, for the strategy. Uh, I think the only, only thing I'd say is we mentioned, we talked about liquidity challenges earlier in the market. I, I think the only thing I would caution against is to use this you know, as a short-term vehicle uh, to express a view. Uh, we do think it's hard to time the market. And if you happen to time it wrong, that can really hurt you. Uh, but if your investment horizon, I would say, is uh, one year or longer, uh, then this is then this strategy can really fit for multiple different purposes. Henry Song, Portfolio Manager for the Short Duration Securitized Bond Strategy and the Core Bond Strategy at Diamond Hill. I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you sitting down with me today. Thank you. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.